But today's Father's Day, and I got a message from Papa God for you today. How's that sound? Does that sound good? Okay. So it's going to bless you. And, uh, and then I have a really powerful testimony or story I'm going to read to you. But if you, if you would just uh, follow with me, I'm going to be reading uh, from the message translation, Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 through 17. Okay, are you ready? You can see it up on the screen. Let's just make sure I have the right version on my page here. Yes, it's correct. Okay, are you guys ready? Let's read. This is John the Baptist speaking. He says, I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for kingdom life. The real action comes next. The main character in this drama, compared to him, I'm a mere stagehand. He will ignite the kingdom life within you, a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. Can you say amen right there? He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he'll put out with the trash to be burned. Jesus then appeared, arriving at the Jordan River from Galilee. He wanted John to baptize him. John objected, I'm the one that needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted, do it. It's God's work, putting things right all these centuries. It's coming together right now in this baptism. So John did it. The moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened and he saw God's spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the spirit, a voice, this is my son chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. Can you say amen? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your rich and amazing and implacable and undaunting love that is so relentless and it burns like a holy, holy fire. If the church of God would just get a little revelation of the burning love of God, she would be set ablaze and transform the world and turn the world upside down. So would you, Lord, reveal your love in a greater dimension this morning. We thank you, Papa, for that fire that comes from your heart, that comes from your very belly. It was the fire of God that sent Jesus to undo the curse of sin over humanity. And we thank you for that rich, unending love, that never uh, stopping, never ceasing. It's like the waves of the ocean continuing to just crash into us over and over. And just when we think we can surf them, we get slammed down in the sand and we get sand in our ears and stuff. Lord, we thank you. Come on, somebody. How many know what I'm talking about in the ocean? We thank you for that tidal wave of your love. We thank you, Father, for a tsunami of the love of God. I pray right now that, Lord, we would be overtaken, that we would something would happen on the inside of us, Lord, that we would come alive like never before. I pray for the fire of your love. I call forth the fire of your love in this house. I call forth the fire of love on the dads in this house, on the moms, on the children, Lord. Overtake us with a tsunami of the fire of God's love. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Come on and give God a shout. Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm already kind of preaching, so I'm just going to keep going. I love this verse. When we first started the church, 
this portion of scripture, uh, you can also find it in Luke chapter 3, where Jesus is baptized. It's the culmination of all the old covenant types and shadows. John uh, the Baptist being the last of the old covenant prophets. That's why he says in John 3.30, I must decrease so that he can increase. Because John, it was the closure of an old and the beginning of a new. And Jesus is being baptized and it's symbolic of these types and shadows in the old. And he comes up and this is before Jesus begins his ministry. Now, I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about that word ministry. Say ministry. Now, to the Christian, most of the time when we say that word, we think, my ministry. You know, we all have our our dreams uh, and we all have things that we're doing for God. But the word ministry means to serve. Sometimes we've transformed that word into our own cultural understanding in churchianity because ministries seem to have their own their own flow out of our own church cultures. Like, for example, when I say ministry, we think of such and such ministries and we think of a person, right? You understand what I'm saying? And that's okay. But I want to talk to you about the word ministry because sometimes we've glorified it and I think we need to simplify it. And I want to talk to you what I believe every ministry and the source and the heartbeat of every ministry and every thing that we do as believers that we call ministry should come from. But I I love the word ministry. I love the word to serve, just to serve like, you know, God's heart. Now this is, this is before Jesus began his ministry. How many think Jesus's ministry was important? How many know that he came to reveal the heart of the father? He didn't just come to, to undo the work. You know, how many know he died? He was buried. He rose again. He ascended. He seated at the right hand of God. That is the the work that Jesus came to do, but he came in that to reveal the heart of the Father. The reason he did that was to reveal the heart of the Father to humanity. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. See, that's the heart of God being revealed in Christ. God, the heart of God, Papa, was in Jesus reconciled, bringing the world to himself. So in this verse, there's this little portion that just rings in my heart. And I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about ministry and I want to talk to you about your ministry. And I want to talk to you about that understanding that we have, or maybe what your dreams or hopes are for ministry. Like some of you feel called to ministry. What does that look like? What does that mean? Does that mean that you're going to be up here? Like some people are preaching or you're on church staff, which is only about 3% of the whole entire body of Christ. We've glorified that too. And sometimes we forget the simplicity of ministry, the simplicity of what Jesus called us to do, which is to love one another like he loves us and to lay our lives down for one another. Come on, somebody. To bear our burdens, to, uh, to, to really just serve one another, to wash each other's feet. That's kingdom lifestyle. Can I hear you say amen? When you say amen, I preach quicker. So now watch, there's going to be way more amens right after that statement right there. But what is ministry? You know, I mean, if you think about it, everyone in this room has said, well, I want a ministry that really pleases God. Come on, have you ever thought about that? Now, I want to just switch it. I want to change your paradigm a little because that's the wrong way to think. It's the wrong way to think, but we all think it, but we all start that way. I want a ministry that pleases God. Well, yeah, we our aim, like the Apostle Paul, is to please God. But let me tell you something. Jesus' ministry hadn't even begun And God was already pleased with him. 
see, our ministry should not necessarily be just to please God, but should come from the fact that we're pleasing to God. So when we understand what ministry really is, that it's serving, and we know who we are as children of God on this Father's Day, that out of our lives come a wellspring of servanthood, of love, of affirmation, of acceptance, of transformation, the flow of God's Spirit flowing out of our lives, flowing into whatever we do, whether we're working, whether we're in the marketplace, whether we're in Hollywood, whether we're uh, loving the entertainment industry, whatever we're called to do to usher in the Father's love in every realm of society, we are called to release the ministry of the Father heart of God. That's your ministry. Look at the person next to you and say, that's your ministry. And look at him again, say, to release the Father heart of God. To release the love of the Father. See, Jesus hadn't even begun his ministry. Sometimes we're, we're wanting to start some kind of ministry and we want to please God. But if we realize that how pleased God is with us, how much we are loved, then out of our lives would just flow a ministry of love and grace. Out of our lives would flow a ministry that would would just be beyond our comprehension. Why? Because it springs uh, from a reality that we're walking and living in. Our ministries, our servanthood should reveal the heart of Abba. You know, I I think about this often, my my kids, because my kids, I have five, and, uh, and I have one that's 15, and I have one that's two. And so they're just all across the board. Can you guys pray for me right now? Come on, somebody. Um, But, you know, as they grow up, sometimes they make bad choices and you have to discipline and love them. Amen. Lots of love and discipline. And, uh, and, you know, we, we love our children. And when I was uh, first a father, I didn't expect my firstborn to just act like us right when she came out of the womb. How many know what I'm talking about? All they want to do is eat poop and sleep. That's it. That's all they, all that's all babies want to do. Right. And, and so when, when my kids are born, like my son, Josiah, my oldest son is right here. He's eight years old. Hey, Bubba, I should show you the picture he sent me as his mom was receiving the offering. You won't be able to see it from here. Some of you will, but I'll just go ahead. Can you guys see that? Can you guys see that? Come on, get some binoculars back row. I'm going to send it to you. I want you to put it up there. Can I put that up there, Josiah? It's a really good, it's a funny picture. He's a funny little guy. So it's, it's, uh, it's funny to me because I think we expect in ministry, honey, would you send that to Luis in the back? No, I got it. I got it right here. You can, you're going to have to email it to yourself. We'll put it up there in a minute. I think that sometimes we think our kids or our our baby Christians are just supposed to act like God. And we, we have this expectation. How many know that we, there's a likeness or an image that we bear rather of God, but we mature in a likeness of God. And I want to talk to you about that because the, the root of it and the heartbeat of it comes from knowing the father's love. When we know the father's love, and listen, it doesn't come in one round or two rounds or three rounds where it's like, oh man, I know the father's love. Like, yeah, God loves me. No, it's a discovery, probably for all of eternity, the depths of the Father's love. As a matter of fact, when Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus and he says that you would know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, by the way. 
The love of Christ surpasses knowledge. Yet, a lot of our endeavor is to know more about God. But God just wants us to know His heart. Come on, somebody. And He says, if you know the love of Christ, the next verse in Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could think, hope, ask, or even believe God for. See, your ministry, what you're called to do, your servanthood is to reveal the very heart of God. And that is a long journey of discovery, of becoming not just a child, but a mature son, not referring to gender. See, there's a maturity in the father's love. And on Father's Day, not only do we honor dads, but we honor the purpose of a father that is, to, that is called to heal the orphan wound. That we are called as Christians. How many know what I'm talking about? We're called as Christians to reveal the heart of God to the broken, to the lonely. Come on, somebody. I'm going to start preaching now. To those that are drug addicted and don't have a way out. To those that sit at night and think, if I could just end my life, I would would not feel this pain anymore. God is concerned about those people. And we're called to touch those people. We're not called to be superstar Christians. We're not called to be big timers. Come on, somebody. Where we push people away and only the elite can come close to us. We're called to reach the one that nobody else wants to pay attention to. That is the heart of God and that's what ministry is. Ministry is not having your name on a website. Ministry is not having a title before your name, apostle so-and-so. It's about being Christ-like. As a matter of fact, if your title is before your function, they get rid of the title. There's something about grabbing a hold of the heart of God. And I remember when we started the church, I remember thinking, what is our ministry going to look like? And then God just began to reveal his love to me. And this verse, this verse in Matthew 3.17, where God the Father speaks over Jesus. He says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I love the way the message says it. This is my son chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. You're waiting for your ministry to begin, but if you just hear those words, you'll come alive in what you were created to do. You'll come alive in what God has called you to do. I want to see the church of the living God rise up. The greater level of authority means the greater level of servanthood. Senior leader and pastor and and all these elder and bishop and minister and deacon. And we have all these titles. How about we just throw all the freaking titles out the window and start walking in the love of Jesus? One of my pet peeves, guys. Listen, if I ever do this, my wife, none of, not y'all, but my wife has permission to smack me in the cheek here. If I ever get big time, like, I mean, in my head, you know what I'm talking about. One of my pet peeves is when Christians become big time in their head. And they stop loving the the little ones. The least of these. The ones that God's heart beats mostly for. God loves wealthy. God loves upper. God loves middle class. God loves everybody. Come on, somebody. But I do know this is that we have a tendency to have this elitist mentality as we mature that we should be maturing not in authority, in rulership and ruling over people, but in servanthood and and getting lower and coming under and wanting to give somebody a drink of water and asking someone, hey, can I pray for you? Is there anything I can do for you? Can I bless you some way tangibly? Do you need finances in your life? Come on, somebody. There should be people out in our parking lots praying for people before they come in the door, before we have an altar call right up in here. There should be people out there getting people saved, healed, delivered, and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Spirit. 
That's my dream. That's my heart. Let us minister from a place of knowing the love of God, knowing how pleasing we are to God now. Not wanting to start a ministry to please God, but knowing a ministry flows out of that I please God. Galatians 4, 6, the Bible says that we have received the spirit of adoption and we cry out, Abba, Father. See, my kids, when they're born, I don't look at them and say, well, now you've got to act like me. Prove your mind. Prove your mind. Do something. Stop sitting there and doing nothing. Sleeping, pooping, and peeing and doing nothing. We don't do that as parents, do we? No, we love them. And we shape their identity. That's what God does to us. And they become, they already bear my image. All my kids bear my image. They're good looking. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Bear mama's image too. Kids are beautiful, but they grow in my likeness. How? By identifying with my love and my heart for them. Not by rules or do's or don'ts or by a system or some something that we have. Like we don't, parenthood is never mastered. There's never, like you have good parents and you have parents that maybe just don't care as much. But parenthood is a process. But as you, as you cultivate your love for your kids, parents know what I'm talking about. Dads and moms know what I'm talking about. That they grow up and they begin to know who they are. But they're not born knowing that they're a Wexler. They're not born knowing that they're a a Richie. They're not born knowing who they are. They grow in that understanding. I don't look at them and say, you prove your mind. They look like me. They bear my image, but they learn my likeness. They imitate me. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. Can we get that verse up there? Ephesians 5 verse 1. Are you ready? Let's read this together. It's powerful. It says, be imitators of God as dear children. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Dearly loved children. See, you can't follow his example if you don't know you're dearly loved. I want to be more like God. I want to be more like God. I want to be more like God. Just shut up and be loved. I want a ministry that pleases God. No, he's already pleased with you. Jesus didn't do one thing until he heard that voice. You're my son. I'm pleased with you. You see, there's so many ministries and, and ideas and agendas that we have that are outside of our identity as sons and as daughters of the living God. But if we realize that if we just know who we were, our ministries, our servanthood would explode. Hello? There's something so powerful about the love and the affirmation that a papa brings, the the love that a, a mom can bring to a broken heart. It's funny when my little girl Layla, she falls. Almost 99% of the time, if she has a little owie, if mom or daddy kisses her owie, she's all better now. You know what I'm talking about? She just stops crying. It's like this, we've totally got her, man. It's like this mental thing. Just, oh, let me kiss. Okay, it's all better. She's like, and she starts smiling. It's so, it's amazing to me. I heard the father this morning as we're worshiping, and I said it a little while ago, that Papa's kissing you. The Bible says in Jeremiah 31, 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with my loving kindness. Before God, you're just his little baby. You're his daughter, your son. He loves you. 
He loves kissing you and telling you it's going to be okay. And He wants you to see His smiling face over you that will literally change your countenance. It's actually proven that a, a child's countenance and demeanor and attitude is, is actually cultivated in the very young stages of life by looking at their parents' smile and countenance. Like a, a baby that sees a smiling mama or dada is happy. Some of you think God is mad at you or, or maybe d- like not pleased with you for some reason because you still got some kind of old covenant wineskin going on. No, God's pleased with you. He loves you. Jesus says, as the Father loved me, I love you. Abide in my love. Abide in that love. Remain in that place where you're loved by God more than anything else. It doesn't matter if somebody rejects you. It doesn't matter what anyone says to you. It doesn't matter if someone despises your idea of ministry. But ministry flows out of your life and it's servanthood. It's Jesus. It's the Jesus stuff. Come on, somebody. It's forgiveness. It's love. It's affirming people. It's coming under and serving and revealing the heart of Papa. Every ministry, everything that we're created to do should stem from the heartbeat that we're pleased by God and we want to reveal the pleasure that we're the pleasure and the delight of God. The broken people on the street don't need to be told how nasty they are. They need to be told that they're valuable and we see something in them that no one else does. All right, I'm going to read a story to you in closing. And uh, I love this. It's so powerful. This is from a book called The Furious Longing of God. Are you all enjoying this this morning? And uh, this is by Brennan Manning. If you have never read this book, I'm actually thinking about doing some kind of community group or Bible study with it. Just go through it and, and get blasted on the love of God. <clears throat> this is a story he told when he was at a university as a, uh, like a chaplain. He was a priest. Amazing testimony. I'm going to read this to you. Back in the 1960s, I was teaching at a university in Ohio, and there was a student on campus who, by society standards, would have been called ugly. He was short, extremely obese. He had a terrible case of acne, a bad lisp, and his hair was growing like Lancelot's horse in four directions at one time. He wore the uniform of the day, a T-shirt that hadn't been washed since the Spanish-American War, and jeans with a butterfly on the back, and of course, no shoes. In all of my days, I've never met anyone with such low self-esteem. He told me that when he looked in the mirror each morning, he spat at it. Of course, no campus girl would date him. No fraternity wanted him as a pledge. He walked into my office one day and said, his lisp evident, Ah, you're a new face on campus. Well, my name is Larry Mullaney, and I'm agnostic. Did you like my lisp? That's the way it's written. I said, you're what? He repeated himself. And I said, wow, congratulations. If you ever become an atheist, I'll take you to dinner and we'll celebrate your conversion. (laughs) The story I'm about to tell you is what Larry got for Christmas one year. Christmas came along for Larry Mullaney and he found himself back with his parents in Providence, Rhode Island. Larry's father is a typical lace curtain Irishman. Now, there are lace curtain Irishmen and there are shanty Irish. A lace curtain Irishman, even on the hottest day in summer, will come to the dining room table without wearing, will not come to the dining room table without wearing a suit, usually a dark pinstripe, starched white shirt, and a tie swollen at the top. 
He will never allow his sideburns to grow to the top of his ears, and he always speaks in a low, subdued voice. Well, Larry comes to the dinner table that first night home, smelling like a billy goat, and he and his father have the usual number of quarrels and reconciliations, and thus begins a typical vacation in the Mullaney household. Several nights later, Larry tells his father he's got to get back to school the next day. What time, son? Six o'clock. Well, I'll ride the bus with you. The next morning, the father and son rode the bus in silence. They get off the bus, and Larry has to catch a second one to get to the airport. Directly across the street are six men standing under the awning. All men who work in the same textile factory as Larry's father. They begin making loud and degrading remarks like, Oink, oink, look at that fat pig. I tell you, if that pig was my kid, I'd hide him in the basement. I'd be so embarrassed. Another said, I wouldn't. If that slob was my kid, he'd be out the door so fast, he wouldn't know if he's on foot or horseback. Hey, pig, give us your best oink. These brutal salvos continued. Larry Mullaney told me in that moment for the first time in his life, his father reached out and embraced him, kissed him on the lips and said, Larry, if your mother and I live to be 200 years old, that wouldn't be long enough to thank God for the gift he gave us in you. I'm so proud that you're my son. It would be hard to describe in words the transformation that took place in Larry Mullaney, but I'll try. He came back to school and remained a hippie, but he cleaned up the best he could. Miracle of miracles, Larry began dating a girl. Can we just applaud right there? Come on, somebody. And to top it off, he became the president of one of the fraternities. By the way, he was the first student in the history of our university to graduate with a 4.2 grade point average. Isn't that amazing, the affirmation of a father? I'm almost finished here. Larry Mullaney had a brilliant mind. Larry came to my office one day and said, tell me about this man, Jesus. And for the next six weeks in half-hour increments, I shared with Larry what the Holy Spirit had revealed to me about Jesus. At the end of those six weeks, Larry said, okay. June 14, 1974, Larry Mullaney was ordained a priest in the Diocese of Providence, Rhode Island. And for the past 20 years, he's been a missionary in South America, a man totally sold out to Jesus Christ. Do you know why? It wasn't because of the six weeks of sitting in Brennan Manning's office while I talked about Jesus. No, it wasn't uh, because a a day long ago, no, it wasn't. It was because of a day long ago during a Christmas vacation, standing at a bus stop when his lace curtain Irish father healed him. Yes, his father healed him. His father had the guts to get out of the foxhole and choose the high road of blessing in the face of cursing and taunts. His father looked deeply into his son's eyes and saw the good in Larry that Larry couldn't see for himself. He affirmed him with a furious love and it changed the whole direction of his son's life. I want to read this last little paragraph to you in just a moment, but I want us to just say law on that. Jesus is being baptized before he does anything. A voice from heaven comes. You know, it's interesting in John 12, when that happened another time, when the voice of the father came, some people heard it as thunder. Some people heard it as an angel. Some people heard it as the voice of God. 
I think it depends on how we see God and even our paradigm, how we perceive what he's saying, what he's doing. In uh, Hebrews chapter 12, it says that you can come, if you seek God like he's still on Sinai, that's what you're going to experience. But the Bible says we've now come to Mount Zion. And I'm telling you that we need a greater revelation of the Father's love. That we don't hear thunder, we don't see lightning, we don't hear judgment, we hear the Father's heart. And through that revelation comes a greater level of authority, which is getting lower and serving and coming under and touching and reaching the broken, the hurting, the lost, going to the least of these, the ones that Jesus' heart beats for, the Larry's, the ones that need a father's love. I'm telling you from now until the day I breathe my last, Father's Day to me is Orphan Day because I'm always looking for somebody with orphan wounds. I'm always looking for someone I can release the love of the Father over. As much as I want to make today about me, Father's Day, where are you going to take me to lunch, Rochelle? Give me presents. Come on. Kids love me. Treat me good. It's Father's Day. Right? We get a little bit of that. But I'm telling you, to our house and to this church, it's Orphan Day. We love those that don't know how loved they are. This last paragraph is so powerful. Are you ready? I want you to close your eyes as we close this morning before I dismiss you. In a moment, I'm going to have the prayer team come up. But stay where you are. And I want you to be praying. House lights dim, please. I want you to be praying right now. Intercessors, start praying in the Holy Ghost, would you? I want to I release the love of the Father over every life this morning. This is so powerful. Here's what he says after the story. Lodged in your heart is the power to walk into somebody's life and give him or her what the bright Paul Tillich called the courage to be. Can you fathom that? You have the power to give someone the courage to just be simply by the touch of your affirmation. This might mean that you need to reach out a hand of reconciliation to someone you've estranged. It might mean making a telephone call to someone whom you've had a conflict. It might mean making a long-distance phone call to someone in your family that you haven't talked to in years. It might mean inviting a work colleague whom you can't stand out to lunch or dinner. Then he closes with this verse, Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. People were bringing the little children to him so he could touch them and bless them. The disciples scolded them, but when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them for it is such as these that is the kingdom of God belongs. And it is truth. I tell you, anyone who does not welcome the kingdom of God, like little children will never enter it. Then he embraced them, laid his hands on them and gave them his blessing. Let's follow in the footsteps of Jesus to reveal the Father's love to the little children, to the least of these. And may our ministries be redefined into great servanthood and self-giving. Self-giving. Sacrifice. Coming under. Giving a drink to those that are thirsty. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the love that comes from your very heart. May our ministries be redefined, not from trying to be so creative that our ministries will surely please God, but that we know that we please you and that we're your delight and we're marked by your love. 
And out of that comes a ministry so creative we could not have dreamed it up. But God in us is doing the work. Thank you for rivers of living water flowing as we drink. We drink of your living water right now. We come to you, Jesus, and we're thirsty. We need your love. So, Father, we come. We know that we can drink freely of the waters. I pray for everyone in this room that just needs the affirmation of Daddy God, that just needs the affirmation of a father. I pray that you, your words would be reverberating in this house, and releasing healing oil in the depths of their being, that you love them and you are pleased with them, that they are accepted right now. Hear the Father as I close this service. Hear Him saying, I love you with an everlasting love. Hear the Father saying, just like He spoke over Jesus, this is my Son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. I speak it over you. May it give you life. May it strengthen you with courage to be and shape your identity as a child of the living God. We don't want ministry birthed out of outside of our identity as sons, Lord. We want to walk in your love in such a way that it just flows out of our being, God. So let it come. Let it overflow. We open our hearts. Would you lift your hands right now? Father, I thank you right now for just releasing it. Those that are watching by streaming, may the presence of the Holy Spirit flood your living room or wherever you are right now, your bedroom. I speak healing. I speak life. I speak the affection of the Father. He knows every cry of your heart. He, he heals those roots that cause outbursts of wrath. The Lord is setting some free from anger right now. Like literally, he's just lifting it off of you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Now I want to have our prayer team quickly come. Would you just come? I'm going to dismiss you. We're going to dismiss you in a moment. If you need affirmation and the love of God to just flood your life, I want you to come in just a moment and I want you to receive prayer. We have a prayer team that is so willing and ready. Maybe you, maybe some of the young men, you need a hug from a father. There's two awesome men of God up here, Chris and Kevin, and they'll hug you. Is there any other guys up here? No, they'll hug you and change your life. One hug will change your life from these guys. Maybe you never heard a dad say, I'm proud of you. Maybe you never heard a mama say, you're going to make it and give you the comforting words of a mom that you're, you're, you're awesome. You're a blessing. You're a good mom. You're going to be okay. We want you to receive what God has for you as we dismiss. Lord, thank you for this holy moment.